Once upon a time, in a place far, far away, there was a large island. And on this island, there was a tiny nation the size of the state of Delaware. And in this nation, for hundreds of years, its kings and royals had ruled from father to son and father to son, lived in peace and relative obscurity to the rest of the world until 1926 when oil was discovered. Between 1926 and the present, much has changed in this tiny corner of the world and on this island. Father to son, the hands of authority were placed and moved. But this isn't just any ordinary king. These are sultans. Today, the 29th in line of a long line of sultans continues to rule the tiny island, the tiny nation, I should say, of Brunei. And finally, in 1984, this tiny nation gained its independence. By 1987, the Sultan of Brunei was the richest man in the world, worth some $40 billion. Tiny little nation full of oil, from obscurity to the world's richest man. And on this tiny island was a prince, a prince born named Jeffrey. Jeffrey was both blessed and cursed to be born second. He was the younger brother of the sultan. And as such, when uh, the sultan rose from obscurity into riches, Jeffrey came along for the ride. In a short amount of time, Prince Jeffrey became uh, wildly popular for the fact that next to his brother, he was the most powerful and the wealthiest man in the country in that part of Southeast Asia. Prince Jeffrey had the tremendous privilege of being next to the world's richest man, and yet it was also his curse. He was, is, and will always be second. It didn't matter. Prince Jeffrey was beloved by his brother. The Sultan of Brunei blessed his brother with uh, uh, responsibilities, authority, and riches. The Sultan made his brother uh, in charge of the entire finances of the nation of Brunei. And his little brother, for a time, Uh, helped oversee the country's rich oil exports and everything that came with it. He organized companies and industries that made roads, constructed buildings, and many different things. But over time, along with his uh, fame and fortune in the government, so came his lifestyle and his excesses. For a season, Jeffrey lived without restraint. And he began to live and, and enjoy uh, the riches uh, of life. He began to buy and spend. He began to travel and he began to own. 
for a handful of years, uh, Jeffrey's business ventures, not only in charge of his nation, but his personal companies, began to grow exponentially. Until such a time when son number three decided this is too much. And so, the nation of Brunei began to look into Jeffrey's personal finances. And in a lawsuit, uh, in a court of law, they alleged that Jeffrey had embezzled some $14.8 billion from his own brother and from the government. And as such, they began to take a look into his life and look into his finances and how he handled things and what he did. And as such, they tried to take away his authority. And what they found and what they claim to have found is so fascinating. For a season, they alleged that, that, that Jeffrey spent nearly $50 million each and every month to keep up his lifestyle. What kind of lifestyle do you think would be generated by a $50 million monthly tab? It's, to me, as I listen and as I read, unfathomable. $50 million a month. Now, I don't know, maybe you're like me, and maybe uh, you didn't necessarily grow up with that much cash lying around. Uh, but I know that as a child growing up, my parents were very clear to make me understand the value of a dollar, or in my case, a peso. They made me understand that Money didn't come by easily, so we shouldn't spend it easily. I'm not always sure I learned the lesson. Amen? But $50 million, that sounds insane. If I were to give you $50 million, do you think you could spend it in a month? <laughs> See, there's a difference, though. See, we'd give it away. Jeffrey didn't give it away. He spent it. He used it. I've uh, tried to kind of like in my worldview, try to come up with a plan for spending $50 million. And I, I'm unsuccessful. I could do it maybe for a month by going out and trying to get, you know, the biggest possible things. But to keep this up, sustained, for a decade, $50 million a month, it sounds ridiculous. There's no possible way you could go through that much cash. But he did. When the government finally cornered him and, and then they caught him essentially and through the courts of law, his older brother demanded repayment. What they found <clears throat> was that uh, Jeffrey at the time when, when, when finally they caught him had uh, 600 properties. 600 properties, over 2,000 cars, each either a Ferrari or a Maserati or um, there's only three brands, or a Rolls-Royce or Bentley, thank you. Oh. <laughs> um, over 100 paintings, five boats, nine aircraft, as well as billions of dollars in possessions stored in 21 warehouses. He had so much cash. It's a fascinating story. It's, it's real. Um, and the reason we know about it is because uh, along the way when Jeffrey, Prince Jeffrey, was finally caught, he sued his lawyers in 
American court for $23 million, which he called a breach of contract. It's a fascinating story, but it it drew into light that Jeffrey had uh, over 250 companies, including uh, some of the most famous hotels in New York and L.A., the Beverly Hills Hotel, uh, the New York Palace Hotel. He had these properties in his hand, and, and, and what was fascinating is he spent so much money obtaining these things, often twice what they were actually valued, because the only way you can spend $50 million a month is when you do not understand value. Prince Jeffrey. A fascinating story of a man who squandered his wealth. Turn your Bibles, please. Book of Luke. We are in the book of Luke, chapter 15. In the book of Luke, chapter 15, Jesus tells us a parable, a story about value. If you've brought a Bible with you, there's, if, pull it out if you have an iPhone or a smartphone and have a Bible app, feel free to do that as well. And if not, there's a Bible in the pew in front of you. And read with me a familiar, very, very familiar story, quite possibly uh, the most well-known of Jesus' stories. It begins in the book of Luke, chapter 15, verse 11. The Word of God says that Jesus had been telling stories and as he was teaching about God and trying to explain and express who God was and, and, and what, what, what God was like, he told this story found in the book of Luke. And it says, there once was a man who had two sons. And the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. You remember the story? You know the story. You've heard it. This is how it goes. You've been told the story before. You may have studied it. You may have heard many, many sermons or, or Vespers talks on it. But for a moment, I want you to just try again and look again with new eyes. Jesus is trying to explain and express who God is as he does every single time he sits down or stands up to teach. And he begins to tell this story because he's listening in a crowd of people who have a specific question about value. And so Jesus begins, and he says, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So in Jesus' day, in Jesus' culture, uh, people would have understand some of the nuances that maybe are lost on us. And the first one is this, that a man with two sons meant that Essentially, everything that he had and he owned would primarily belong to the, to the first son. And yet a father who was generous and a father who was uh, uh, loved of his sons, that father would also try to be gracious with his second son. That there would be some sort of fairness in the way the father would grant uh, his title, his place, his position to the oldest, but he would try to also bless his younger son. And Jesus says that the younger son, this is very important here in the story, that the younger son says to his father, Father, give me my share. Now, if you are the oldest in your family, you're probably going, right? You're probably saying, all the time. You're probably saying, yep, that's how my little brother is. That's how my little sister is. Mm Mm-mm. Spoiled, right? 
spoiled rotten. Man, they get everything that they want, right? The young, okay, there we go, the oldest son over there. The oldest in the family always says, I had to work for everything. I never got to do anything. Then he comes along and they let him get away with everything. He doesn't have to clean up. Oh, he's a baby. And if you are the younger son, you go, you just don't understand. But Jesus says in the story that the younger son came to the father. This would have been unusual. This would have been unlikely. This would have been scandalous that the younger son should come to the father and ask this kind of question. It was not the younger son's right to have this expectation. Whether or not his father was generous, as you know in the story that he is, it would not have been the younger son's right. But let's get past that for a moment. Let's get past the oldest versus the youngest mentality. Let's just look at this son. Jesus says that the younger one came to his father and said, Father, give me my share of the estate. Let's just focus on that for a second. Forget the fact that he was younger and probably not entitled to even approach his father. The Bible says that he comes, and I've been thinking, have you ever wanted to ask your dad for something? Have you ever asked your dad? Do you, do you remember asking dad for something? Do you remember like uh, um, expecting an answer? Uh, do you remember coming to the room and going, when should, I, when should I ask him? Maybe for the car or, you know, to let you go someplace or to sign a permission slip or maybe that you needed some money. Everybody thought to yourself, man, what's the perfect time? After dinner? Would you say, Dad, let's go out to eat. Let's go, you know, at a restaurant, someplace public where he can't yell at you? Or maybe late at night when he's tired and relaxing and you just sneak up and, I don't know. Maybe you say, Dad, let's go play a game. Let's go watch a game. And there, by the way, Dad, have you ever had to ask your dad for something? Would you come to your dad with these words? Father. Give me my estate. A couple, uh, last week, uh, it was early in the morning, uh, my daughters had gone off to school and my, my son came in to the room and he said, Papa, Papa, do you have some money? And I was like, what? And, he, and then he went on to his babbling and explained that uh, the day before he had gone to the park and the ice cream man came and uh, and he, want, he didn't have money to buy some ice cream. So, oh, buy, do you have some money? And I said, oh, okay, well, l- let me see if I can find some for you. Okay, and he ran off excited, went off to his room. And then uh, uh, I didn't act right away. He came back, you know, less than a minute later, and he said, Papa, give me my money. And I thought, what in the, what? But he's... He's like this tall, you know, so I said, oh, okay, hold on, son, I'll get it. Okay, and he took off again, went to his room, and he came back, Papa, my money, Papa, my money. He came back the next, and I was like, okay, listen, son, I will get you the money, just hang on. Okay, and he ran off again. So I, I went looking for a, a coins or cash, and, and he came back, but this time he had a little wallet, a little, a little car's wallet, a little zipper on top. And he came into my room and said, Papa, my money. 
my money. And I said, now this is getting out of hand here. I need a, but it's so cute. He's this, you know, tiny little mouth. Give me my money. <laughs> it, it was fascinating, and I didn't take offense, but I'll be honest. Something inside of me says, I, you know, you're lucky you're three years old, <laughs> right? I mean, whoever says, give me my, my money. It's not, it's not your money, is it? But to be fair, when I go to the bank and I push the ATM machine and I'm waiting, I said, give me my money. But my son looked at me and went like this, and I was like, so I can't imagine this younger son walking into the room, but that's the way it's translated in my version. I don't know how it is in yours, but there's a sense in here in which the son says, give me what is mine. Give me what is mine. Surely he knew his father was gracious. Surely he knew his father was a kind and generous man. But he says, this is mine. And yes, of course, as a son, just like Prince Jeffrey, he was an heir. There were blessings that were going to be bestowed upon him. He had had the good fortune of being born in this family. But in this moment, he comes in and he says, give me my share. I wonder why he didn't ask for it all. So brazen, so bold. Give me my share. And in Jesus' story, the father divides the property between them. Some theologians said he would have divided it three ways. Father, son one, son two. Others think that he may have divided it in just two. Half for the older, half for the younger at his own personal cost. I'm not quite sure. But the Bible says that the father divided the estate. The thing is, because you know the story, there were assets that could not be liquidated. In this case about uh, uh, Prince Jeffrey that I was telling you, 600 properties, that's a lot of stuff in a lot of places. You know, he has palaces with 1,700 rooms in them. He's been married to five women, divorced two, still married to three presently, has over 18 children. And they live in hotels, in palaces, in London, in Paris, in different places. Fascinating. There are assets that could not simply be liquidated. But the Bible tells us in Jesus' story that the Father did. Quite possibly by giving up the reserves, well, the resources, the liquid assets that were available, the father divided the property between them. And this is how we know it was liquid. Verse 13, not long after that, the son, the younger son, got together all he had and set off for a distant country. You can't take properties with you. You know that, right? You know that, right? When you move from one place to another, you've got you to rent it out. You've got to, you know, get a management company. You can't, like, or you sell. The only way to move is to liquidate assets. The only way to relocate is to liquidate assets or leave somebody in charge of your affairs. But the Bible says here that the younger son got together all that he had. We don't know how much. We don't know how many things. But the Bible says that he got together all that he had, and he set off for a distant country. Now, like I said, this is a beloved parable, and everyone has an idea of what Jesus is trying to say and what he means. But for a moment, I want you to just think about it in slightly different terms. The younger son had come to the father. The, the fact that Jesus tells us that he's the younger means that he is not yet 
at a place where he is prepared and ready and, and his father is not setting him off to establish himself. The fact that, because you know the story that the older son is still around, means that the younger son's turn to be placed as the head of his own company, his own division, his own household has not yet come, and he has no family because he gets together all that he has, and he sets off to a distant country. Got all his liquid assets and set off for a distant country. It's an interesting story about a, a, a young man who wanted to get away from his father. But if truth be told, that probably applies to a lot of us. Earlier this week, in our men's group meeting, which, by the way, is really fantastic and heavy, we were discussing our dads. And while some of us have been blessed with fathers who cared for us, loved us, and instilled in us value, many of us were parented by fathers who were largely absent or physically present but not emotionally available or fathers who didn't really care that much. And we couldn't wait to leave home and be gone and be far away from that man. And so this son set off for a distant country, a distant country. And the Bible tells us that there he squandered his wealth in wild living. I've imagined that. Kind of the Bible describes it a little bit. I've been imagining how you could squander wealth and what you could possibly do. And, and then I came across this, this, this story of Prince Jeffrey. And I mean, he's, he's, he's alive right now. <laughs> you can Google him and see his picture. He's a real live man who spent $50 million a month. And if you read the story, it's full of things you don't let your kids read. The kinds of things that he did. The plain fools of women. It's fascinating and mind-boggling. And the Bible tells us that this younger son took all that he had, all that his father had given him, everything that was in his possession, and went off to a distant place where the voice of his father and the counsel of his father and the wisdom of his father and everything that his father had been trying to give him could be ignored and it would be silent. And there in a faraway place he began to squander his wealth in wild living. Squandered his wealth. Spent everything that he has. The word squandered there means that you use it but there's nothing that comes back from it. That you spent it, but it leaves nothing good in its place. And I've been asking myself, how could someone squander that much money? Looking at this man's this real life story, how could you actually squander that much money? How could you actually spend that much money? And, and I, can't, I, I can't fathom it. I can't fathom having that much money and just letting it blow by. 50 million bucks a month? That's, I can't imagine that. You know, I, I, maybe I got problems. I, I think I do. But when I go to the store and I see something I want to buy, if it's not on sale, I ain't buying it. Some of you know what I'm talking about. It might be good. It might be what I need. But if it's full price, I can't do it. See, my parents messed me up. <laughs> they would not let me buy something full price because there wasn't good value in it. Right? 
but they sent me bargain hunting. Yeah, I don't know if you're like me. They sent me down to the Goodwill store. And there I was, bargain hunter. $3 pants, jackpot. And then even as I began to get older and make money, I, just, I still have trouble buying things that are not on sale. Because my parents are trying to save value, but I'm not sure I got the lesson quite right. I'm not even sure they understood what they were trying to teach me. But there's a sense in which this young man did not learn what his father was trying to teach him. And the one thing that he did not learn is value. Oh, hello. So he squandered what he had. All that he had. He squandered it. He used it. He spent it. I've become convinced that Prince Jeffrey spent all that money because he did not understand value. As part of the story, they said that he bought a jewelry-making company for $385 million. And the reason it caught everyone's attention is because the jewelry-making company was worth half of that. And its number one customer was his family. Over time, when they looked at his story, they found that he would pay from 100% more than the actual cost up to 600% more than the actual cost for cars, property, things. Because he did not understand value. That's the only way you can squander money. That's the only way you can blow through stuff when you don't understand the value of it. And this young man in Jesus' story let it all go because he did not understand what it was worth. And he did not understand what he was worth. until it finally ran out. And after he had spent everything he had, there was a famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the field to tend the pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, How many are in my father's house who are just hired men, but they have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out, and I will go back. And I will say to my father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But would you please just take me on? as a hired servant. The young man did not understand value in the money that he squandered, and he did not understand the value of himself. But how about you? Have you squandered the things that your father has given you? I've been wrestling with this because, yeah, my parents taught me how not to spend money and how to, you know, penny pinch here and there. But there are other things that we have been given. Yes, by our earthly parents and definitely by our eternal Father. Have you squandered your time? Have you squandered your love? Have you used up your grace, tossed it around like it was insignificant? Have you squandered your ability to forgive? Have you squandered 
the gifts your father gave you, the things that you knew from when you were a child, and now they're gone. See, I think we squander things when we don't understand their value. And what God wants us to finally realize is our true value.